Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. This is our post-draft NFC West episode. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's up, dude? Uh, nothing, just chilling. You know, this is the time here I'm, I'm attacking WNBA and USFL and just <laughs> absolutely crushing it. Um, and hoping we get to go to a WNBA game uh, next week. Uh, go see the Sparks play. What do you think? Yeah, I'm down. You uh, you hit me up about it, so yeah, I'm ready to go. I'll uh, I'll be in San Diego this weekend, but uh oh, nice Monday. So uh, yeah, let's do it. How's uh, NBA going for you? I feel like we're three months into the playoffs, so we have what three more to go. Yeah, I, like. <laughs> I, I actually I was at the Celtic game. Uh, I was at Game Three. They got destroyed, so um, it wasn't oh, that guess, one. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like peak Celtics crowd. Um, although they did make a comeback and cut it to one. Yeah, um, that was cool to go. I hadn't been to the TD Garden, but um, yeah, nice. it, uh, betting wise, it's going amazing. I, I think I told you last week I was yeah. a crazy heater. I'm still on that heater. I am now 56 and 20 since April nice. 1st. So after that Lori marketing bet I lost that day we hung out, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've lost even a bet like a day. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so uh, you haven't had a losing day. You've I, lost I've had some maybe bets. Like one or two. Like on a day where I think I had a day where I bet like maybe two bets and one of them lost. So, you know, you always. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Like a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I think I'm nice. 12 in my last 13. So nice. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we could keep it up. But uh, let's get into the NFC West. We'll go pretty much player by player in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. who's fantasy relevant. Talk about their value. Who's overvalued. Who's undervalued. Uh, so let's get right into it. Rams. Uh, let's start at the quarterback just so we can kind of talk about the past game first. Matthew Stafford is going around QB 11. Uh, I guess my question to you is, obviously Stafford was an upgrade to the Rams, but now he's dealing with a little bit of a different receiving core, I think, this year. I mean, you know Robert Woods, which his numbers did take a little bit of a hit last year without Woods, even though they did acquire Beckham at the same time. And then, you know, obviously it looks like no Beckham either. It looks like mm-hmm. they're going to be 
going forward with Cup. Allen Robinson will be the new number two guy, and then Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on Stafford? I'm personally just not really excited uh, about Matthew Stafford, but curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get excited for a guy in fantasy who doesn't really run the ball at all. But I think for a pocket passer, Stafford is, you know, up there with, you know, maybe not Brady or Herbert necessarily, but certainly where you get him, you know, like QB 11 range, you could do worse. Cause I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to finish in the top 10. He probably doesn't have the ceiling to finish, you know, QB one overall, um, but where he's going in the draft, I think he makes sense. And he, he didn't have Robert Woods, and Odell Beckham at the same time. So I know he's losing both, but I think that Al Robinson is probably a comparable replacement to both, maybe even better. Uh, we can talk about that when we get to him, but um, he's still, you know, on the, the later end of his prime. So I, I still believe in him. And I think uh, this offense will be just as good as it was last year. And, you know, Stafford's going to benefit from that. Talk about Cooper cup. Uh, you know, he's going off the board as the number one wide receiver as he should. My question to you is how early are you going cup? Like, which running backs are you taking over Cup, and which ones aren't you uh, taking over? Well, it's it's still early. I probably need to do more drafts where I end up with the third through fifth pick, but I, that's where I'm thinking he should go. I think I would take him as early as uh, pick two, pick three, because right now I have a 70-point drop-off between him and Justin Jefferson. Uh, so that's a, that's a pretty big drop-off. And I know like when it comes to best ball, I'm with you where – you just want to lock up a couple of good running backs early. You can't really lean on playing the waiver wire and getting a running back late kind of thing. So, you know, I think at best ball, certainly you can make the case to take a running back with the first four or five picks, but just Cooper cup is just so above and beyond the other receivers right now that it's really hard to pass them up. Like once you get to pick three. And I think just given that, you know, Devonte Adams is now in the Raiders, his stock takes a little bit of a hit. Tyreek Hill going from Kansas city to Miami, his stock takes a little bit of a hit. So I think Cooper, that just helps Cooper Cup out just a little bit. And the, the only knock you can make on Cooper Cup is that he won't be able to repeat last year's numbers, but uh, nobody really can. So uh, just because we, we expect some slight regression, maybe in his target share, uh, he's still the number one overall by far for me at wide receiver. Yeah, and I mean, obviously we don't expect him to repeat based on the fact that it was just a ridiculous outlier. <laughs> but uh, I mean, in terms of like actually having the right circumstances in place, to repeat, he does. Because, I mean, you don't have Woods. You don't have Beckham. You know, the targets are going to – like, the targets are going to be up for grabs in that offense for him mm-hmm. to get, like, you know, eight, nine, ten catches a game. Just because, yeah. I, I mean, Robinson, he could be better than than Beckham, you know, or Woods. But we don't – that's not a certainty. And, like, in terms of just mm-hmm. straight up getting open, uh, you know, those guys are a little more quicker twitch than, than a guy like Robinson. So, um, I, you know – Everything's in place. So, yeah, I agree. I think in, re- in, uh, in, in redraft, I think you want to take up with the probably that third pick, mm. um, maybe even second, honestly. I mean, after Jonathan Taylor, it's really hard to, you know, Derek Henry finally got an injury. Christian McCaffrey, he's starting to get hurt. You know, it's like you're, if you can get 16 games of what Cooper Cup's giving you w- with a higher certainty than – than those guys, I think I don't mind it at all. Yeah, where do you have McCaffrey ranked? I, I said so. JT and Chris McCaffrey are my number one and two, and then I kind of have a tier running backs after that. Do you have McCaffrey number two, or is he a little bit lower? Yeah, I have him two. Him, it's like him yeah. and Henry are right there um, for me at two, three, and, and an Eckler as well. But um, it's I think it's more of a tier drop off after Taylor, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, just because you know now we, we can't say like we a couple years ago we would do these and we would be like, all right, McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, Derrick Henry doesn't get hurt. And now that we've seen them <laughs> yeah. get hurt, 
you know, Jonathan Taylor is that new young guy that, um, you know, he hasn't really had the, the major injury yet. So, yeah, I, I think there's a, a teardrop off. And just I don't think much has changed with Cup in terms of him, you know, like being able to repeat last year. Like just it's an outlier, but at least, you know, the circumstances are there for him to, to kind yeah, of. Yeah, he's going to see a ton of targets. He's amazing after the catch. And he's, you know, the main red zone target. He, he just checks every single box. So th- there's not much to pick on when it comes to him. So, yeah, I think it just overall number two is the earliest uh, I, I think you consider yeah, him. Yeah, probably, probably where he should be going. All right, let's talk about A-Rob. Currently going as the wide receiver, around the wide receiver 25 in, in most ADPs. Um, really the, the concern, you know, the, well, first the, the positive is that he's stepping into, you know, the number two receiver, a number two target role uh, on a, a very good offense with, with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and the receiver and cup to take the pressure off of him, which was not true. Um, in Chicago or Jacksonville, you know, Robinson was a clear cut number one receiver, but uh, the bad news is he played 12 games last year and came away with 38 catches on 66 targets for 410 yards, a single struggle touchdown. Like, you know, like, what do you make of, how do you kind of reconcile what Allen Robinson's talent with just how far he fell last year? Um, with, with that situation going on in Chicago. Yeah, he's uh, he's a fascinating player to project right now. And I will say, like, his ADP seems all over the map. I've seen, like you said, 25 all the way to, like, 40. Um, I think Fancy Pros has him. Like, if he's anywhere outside of the top 25, I'm all in. Um, I would really start to debate it around wide receiver 22. Because, like you said, there are some concerns. He was probably the biggest bust in last year's draft where, you know, it wasn't all just due to injury. He was like unplayable, even when he was healthy. And that's probably due to the Bears offense, maybe Justin Fields, uh, Matt Nagy. But I mean, Matt Stafford is by far the best quarterback that he's going to play with. This is the best offensive system he's going to be playing in. And whenever we talked about Cooper Cup and Robert Woods last year going in that wide receiver 17, 18 range, I mentioned that as well, where, you know, they're going to see an increase in just overall volume, increase in downfield targets and red zone targets. And, um, you know, they, they both had, unfortunately, Robert Woods got hurt, but I'm thinking the same thing with Alan Robinson. He's still, you know, on the tail end of his prime, he's 29. So I wouldn't say he's really in a steep decline yet. So I'm, I'm willing to forgive last year, uh, most of last year and buy in on him at ADP wide receiver 25 or higher, like sign me up for that. Yeah. I think, yeah. Like mid 20, like I don't want him as a top two receiver, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, I want him as my wide receiver three. So oh, yeah. like, I think 25 is kind of like there for me. Like I, I prefer to get him in that, you know, 25 to 36 range, you know, preferably in the middle instead of the high end. Um, I, you know, 27 is, as you mentioned, kind of when wide receivers peak. I am a little concerned just because Robinson is a little bit of a bigger bodied guy in terms of the weight, mm. you know, at 220. Um, and those guys tend to have a little more of a drop off, especially once they get past their prime. So like, I'm still cautiously optimistic because, you know, the Rams front office, when they do acquire veterans, um, they've done a great job of kind of Mm -hmm. uh, acquiring impact guys who they can integrate into their system effectively. So we saw that with Beckham. We saw that with Von Miller. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm as high as you are in a Rob just because. I don't want to discount how bad he was. I think there there could be there could be some slowdown, but at the same time, like I'm not. I, I still think the floor is relatively high because I think he's not going to fall behind Van Jefferson on, on that you know 
target list or totem pole. He's not going to fall behind Tyler Higby. So um, yeah, I like him as a wide receiver three. Uh, any value in Van Jefferson? I know, you know, it doesn't look like Odell's going to be back. So I'm guessing Van Jefferson is going to be out there like mm-hmm. 90% of the routes again. <laughs> um, any, any value there? He's going like usually in the wide receiver 60-ish range, mid-60s. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to to like hit wide receiver four value um, as long as Cooper Cup and even Allen Robinson are healthy, even Tyler Higby. So, you know, Van Jefferson will probably be the fourth target most weeks, but he certainly has the most injury upside than any receivers in this range. So if, you know, Cooper cup or Allen Robinson go down, like we know he's probably going to offer wide receiver three value where you really can't say that about guys like Devonte Parker, Corey Davis, DJ Chark, obviously their value would go up if a teammate goes down, but not wide receiver three sort of value. So I think that Van Jefferson certainly as like a bench stash injury upside uh, flyers, he makes a ton of sense in that wide receiver 60 range. He, he, he isn't too expensive. So uh, that's why I say in that range, he's probably worth the flyer. Tyra Higby, he's usually going around tight end 19-ish. Yeah. Uh, he was tight end 15 in points per game in, in half PPR last year. Uh, of course, had that big year uh, a couple years ago. So he's probably getting drafted a little below value. Uh, but do you think he's like, what are his odds of actually being a every week startable tight end at this point? Yeah, I mean, there, there was at times last year, he, he was looking like he might break out and become that top five tight end Higby we saw at the end of 2019, but it just never came to fruition. You know, Cooper Cup is such a target hog. It's, it's really hard for Higby to be consistent. So I don't, I don't think he's going to offer, you know, weekly tight end one value, but he's close, right? So I have him tight end 13. Like you said, where he's going around in the tight end 18, 19 range, he's certainly worth a flyer just because just to invest in this offense, it's a cheap way to get in um, because he does have that upside. We've seen it before, like I said, in 2019. So, well, I'm a bit down on him compared to where I was last year. He's still on that fringe. So I think, I think he is a good buy at his current ADP. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that could just pop for like, you know, eight <laughs> touchdowns, you know, if, Oh yeah, for sure. Offense. Um, so that, that's really what you're looking for, but I would prefer not to have him as like, you know, if I'm waiting on tight end, I would still prefer to like Zach Ertz is usually my target when I wait on tight end. Um, I, I really don't feel too comfortable with anyone uh, outside of that range um, because I, I, like you said, you're not going to be an every week. Uh, yeah. Starter. All right. Let's talk about Cam Akers because this is a tough one for me. He's going as the RB 16, um, you know, came off that injury last year. Uh, what was it, an Achilles injury? Yeah, torn had, Achilles in July. Achilles in July. He's back by, what, late December, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But he was terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. he, like, what in the fucking Haven no. <laughs> Balazs, Trent Richardson? What? Oh, yeah, like, there's <laughs> 75 no sugarcoating it. No sugarcoating it. What? Like, 75 <laughs> carries, uh, regular and postseason, 75 carries. Yep. 172 yards, 2.4 yards per carry. So, like, my thing is, you know, yards per carry, just from a statistical standpoint, you need so many carries to really – and we, I know we debate this with Nick Chubb all the time. <laughs> He's the exception. So, you need so many carries to kind of use past data with any, uh, you know, bit of certainty. Uh, and, and so, it's like I don't want to overrate this, you know, as I'm projecting acres forward. But it's like I, I am kind of trying to figure out, like, was it all to do with just coming back too early? or Because we also know running backs, you know, it's a demanding position. They tend to peak early, like almost when they get into the league, it's like their peak. So it's like, has Cam Akers already peaked? Or is this, was that just 
all to do with coming back early and he's going to be back to the can makers we knew in his rookie year um, in 2022. Yeah. I'm going to say about 90% of it is due to him miraculously coming back from a torn Achilles in July. It, it was an amazing feat just to even play, but I agree. He was God awful. So um, I'm willing to forgive him. He's still in one of the elite offenses in the NFL should be the workhorse back. We can get to that when we talk about Daryl Henderson. But I think that, you know, Sean McVay expects Cakers, Cam Akers to be. Cakers. Oh, Cakers. Cakers. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) there we go. Um, I I just think that, yeah, like I'm willing to buy back in on Cam Akers uh, and and look past his, uh, you know, atrocious end of the season. Um, The offensive line could take a slight step back. You know, Andrew Whitworth is retiring, but he is sort of hinting, um, you know, never say never. So if, if he were to come back, I'd be a little bit more excited about Cam Akers. But with Akers, you're just investing in this offense and his job security. I think he has both. So, um, yeah, I, running back 17 is a bit rich, but I think he is probably worth it at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's too high for me at this point. Like, in, like if I'm drafted right now, once we start getting to this range, and, and I've said this before, it's like, I really hope I have two running backs already yeah. that, because it's not necessarily that like ranking cam makers is, you know, in that 16 to 20 range, I guess is too high per se, but there's a lot of risk. There's a, there's a low floor. And it, so it comes to the point mm. where I just really don't want to be drafting running backs by that time that, that you have to think about whether you want to draft cam makers. I'd rather be drafting from like a Terry McLaurin or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many oh, yeah. quality wide it's- receivers it's almost like running back 16. Absolutely. It's, it's almost like this, this range of running backs kind of like a frozen pond. Oh yeah. Think? I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I agree completely with like our rank for him is spot on, but there is some risk. Whereas like you said, Terry McLaurin, there isn't much risk. You know what you're getting with him. Yeah. Um, so I, I would agree with that completely. Yeah. And I mean, even like, there's a lot of, it's just like, there's like legit number one receivers, like Michael Thomas, you know, might be around yeah. when you're drafting cam makers. So yeah, I, I, you know, it's, you have to factor those numbers in a little bit. Um, so yeah, Daryl Henderson, I don't know. I I feel like he's going to be on a, a good amount of my teams because you're getting a guy who is a backup in a good offense. He's kind of like that Alexander Madison light. Like, you know, it's like, it's like <laughs> he's, he's behind a guy that does get injured a lot and should have a high workload when he's healthy. So it's like, we don't know exactly when we're going to need him, but um, he's cheap enough that I think he's worth kind of stashing, but I don't know. What do you think? I'm I'm worried about him because you know the the one way that he can find value uh, when Acres is healthy is maybe through the the passing game. But you know the Rams drafted Kyron Williams in the fifth round, and he was probably one of the best receiving backs in this class. So that does worry me a bit. And even if Acres were to go down, like Henderson hasn't really shown um, to have that high of a ceiling. And Sean McVay really made Sony Michelle a thing at one point last year. Yeah. Like you could tell that he he just doesn't like trusting Daryl Henderson or you can't trust them for some reason. So I'm a bit worried. Normally he is, you know, slam dunk injury upside kind of RB two stash, but right now just with the Kyron Williams um, pick, like it, it does worry me a bit. Yeah. I, don't, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think the Rams usually have four running backs active on game day. Like, cause they usually have like two special teams guys like Jake Funk, I, I believe was one mm, of them. Yeah. they had like Calais. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't worry about Henderson as much. I think in year one, um, I, I don't know how much Williams is going to get on the field. I, I think Darren Henderson still at running back 46. I still like him as like, you know, cause he was still getting, you know, 
you know, he got hurt. That was that also kind of played into yeah. Michelle. Like mm-hmm. Henderson got like 16, 13, 14, 17, 21, 15, 14, 11, 5, and then 16 carries, in, you know, in the first – he played 10 of the first 11 games. Um, so that's not – you know, that's not nothing there. In yeah. So I, I think they're – they trust him. It's just that he couldn't stay healthy last year. But now he doesn't really have to stay healthy because he's going to be the backup to Akers, and that puts Akers at risk. So uh, yeah, I like no, I, Henderson is like a late round kind of – I get it. And I- I do like the Alexander Madison light comparison yeah. and Alexander Madison is being drafted one slot ahead of him <laughs> in ADP. So by all oh, means, yeah, if, give me if the real deal <laughs> is still there, uh, draft the Alexander Madison. And then like, once he's gone, you can consider Alexander Madison light. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go. Uh, okay. So anybody, you know, just to recap the Rams, you know, anybody that jumps out is like overvalued or undervalued kind of super well, bus conversation. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's overvalued because, like we said, Cam Akers is probably ranked exactly where we have him right now. But just the the risk you're taking on in that situation, he obviously has a high ceiling. But just in that range, I typically avoid uh, targeting running back. So I'll say Akers, but it just goes to show the Rams don't really have any weaknesses. I think every player is being drafted uh, where they should, if not lower. So uh, I would have to go with Akers. And then the sleeper has to be Allen Robinson. Anytime you can get him outside of the top 25 a receiver, uh, I think he's worth the risk. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Akers for me just kind of stands out. This just It's just a floor, it, you know. Yeah. Obviously, the ceiling is, is what it is, but I, I'd rather get running backs uh, before I have to deal with that. Um, all right, let's go to San Francisco. And uh, the conversation has to start with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo still on the roster. Kyle Shanahan said – probably going to trade him, which is, I mean, that's honest, you know, but the fact is he's not, he hasn't been traded. It's, he's hard to move right now. Um, they said Trey Lance, you know, this, first we've heard rumors like, uh, he's been a little underwhelming, but you know, kind of take that with a grain of salt. Cause I don't know exactly how those rumors came about. And then, but, but I have, I have kind of, from what I've gathered, you know, he hasn't made mm. any changes to the throwing motion or anything like that. Um, so it's kind of we're getting the same guy as last year. It's just, you know, how much, I guess, mentally um, is he going to improve? So he's going around quarterback 13. I mean, you know, wh- I guess where where is he worth like the upside that we know he has in terms of being a, a running quarterback? Like is is 13 fine, you know, taking him outside that top 12? Uh, would you go higher? Would you go lower? Yeah, I think 13 is fine. He, he has QB1 upside um certainly but he he does have some issues he has to escape in the offseason i mean number one they can't trade away debo samuel that that would hurt his value quite a bit um and then number two they they kind of have to trade away jimmy g i mean what are the chances you think that jimmy g's sticking around this year is it above 20 percent now or yeah probably i would say probably maybe 25 percent, 25 30 like 25 to 33 like a quarter to a third chance that he's yeah. on the roster because it's just that he's not going to be able to be moved until later and you just never know what could happen in between then especially if mayfield get, gets moved first um you know mm. that, that that would take another team kind of out of the running for him and, and the niners would have zero leverage uh in terms of in terms of the move so um yeah i think there's a decent chance but and then comes the question like does he start though? Like if, if Jimmy G's on the roster, does he start? Right. Like, no, uh, that's going to be, like, no, he? that's, I'm saying that's going to be like 50, 50, right? I mean, yeah, we would hope least. they would pivot to Lance, but nothing's a given when it comes to Kyle Shanahan. We know that. So yeah. So there, there is a, a lot of risk in late May drafting Trey Lance at QB 13. So if, if you're in a best ball, it's probably worth the risk because you're shooting for upside, but then again, you can't make any moves 
to kind of escape <laughs> the a situation where Lance's value takes a hit. So it's, it's a tough call. So it's unfortunate that he's not being drafted, you know, like last year on QB 20 and it's easier to take on that risk. Uh, 13's uh, probably the peak for me. I don't think I would take him inside the top 12, although he has that kind of upside. So um, I would like to see him fall maybe into the 15, 16 range before actually considering him. Yeah. Like I, you know, it, it's really a situation where it's right now, I feel like you don't want to rely on him as your QB one. Um, you know, oh, yeah. if, if we get into the season and they're like, okay, he's going to start week one, regardless of what's going on. Obviously I, I'm fine waiting and taking him as my QB one because you know, he can run and, and he has a good, a good uh, receiving core. So, yep. um, you know, a lot of upside there, but um, right now there's really, you know, I think quarterback 13 is fair. Cause it's like essentially the first, the highest rated backup, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fantasy wise. Uh, which I think is fair. Uh, Debo Samuels, wide receiver seven. I mean, there's two things to consider with him. Number one is the trade situation. Number two, I mean, how many, how much does he play running back again? Because I think that really kind of stabilizes his value, you know, even when, and he was great all year, even as just a pure pass catcher. But I mean, getting those running back snaps and, you know, being able to add like, you know, seven, five to eight carries and get, you know, 30, 40 yards and, and some touchdowns on the ground which is something most receivers are just never going to do. So, um, you know, what do you think of the trade situation and what do you think of his usage if he does remain with the Niners? Yeah, I I was going to ask you about that as well, but I'll go first. Um, (laughs) Like, I I don't know if we'll see the five to eight carries a game. I think that was like a necessity at the end of the year. Anytime they were in a must-win situation, you know, you want to just give Debo the ball as much as possible. I don't know if he can sustain that for all 17 weeks, but I'm around maybe four carries a game. Um, you know, as a reasonable projection for next year. Uh, and he, his receiving usage did take a slight hit once they did start using yeah. it running back. But either way, like he's a top 10 wide receiver, just based on that usage, he has massive touchdown upside, both, you know, rushing. <laughs> they, they like to give him the ball around the goal line. So that's huge. And as a receiver, and he's amazing after the catch. So he doesn't need that many catches to, you know, turn out some yards. So I do think that maybe Trey Lance, you know, as the week one starter probably does hurt Debo's, receiving upside a bit but again if they're using as you know a quasi running back uh that helps solidify his weekly floor so right now yeah i'm giving about four carries a game how about you yeah i'm I'm probably more around like two and a half to three actually i I just i think that's because like i think the Tyrion davis price uh selection in the draft that you know running back a little bit of a head scratcher to a lot of people but i think that may be one of the things they're trying to limit is okay you know we essentially didn't have a guy we felt comfortable with outside of Elijah Mitchell. You know, we didn't feel comfortable with Trey Sermon um, and Jermichael Hasty. We didn't feel comfortable with him as a, as a runner, maybe as a pass catcher. And so, you know, now they draft a guy. So I think, I think the, the objective would be to use Debo at wide receiver. And, and, and he was great at wide receiver. I mean, I remember it was like week, you know, three or four is already like, Oh, we got to get him inside the top five. Like, yeah, you well, called that. Yeah. Um, where do you, where so, do you have him ranked right now? Um, uh, I, right around there, right around seven or eight. Yeah. Um, okay. Just, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty. So I never, you know, if, if I can get, you know, Devonte and Tyreek and some of those guys ahead of him, you know, will I? Yeah. Cause I just think there's more certainty with those guys. Um, uh, Mike Evans, for example, I'd feel a little co- more comfortable with um, just as mm. of now, just because we don't know where he's going to land. Um, and we don't, and truthfully, you know, we don't know exactly what Trey Lance is and, and how he would affect him. Cause you know, the stats are interesting. Uh, touchdown wise, he had, he caught three touchdowns from Garoppolo last year, uh, on 98 attempts, um, on 98 targets. He caught three touchdowns from Lance on 
23 targets. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, exactly. But uh, the completion percentage with Garoppolo was 68%. The completion percentage with Lance was 44%. Uh, So I I think there's just a little more uncertainty, a little more variance uh, if Trey Lance becomes the quarterback. Like, it could be great. Or it could be different because Lance is looking deep and Sammy was going a little more underneath. And, you know, it could have just been something that was more tailor-made to Garoppolo. So, you know, just all that uncertainty is, you know, I'm cautious. I think he's a great player, but yeah, he's another guy, like maybe even probably more so than Cup, even though Cup had the outlier. Like, I don't know if we can expect a repeat of last season. Like, they were just, he was just so yeah. good last season. There's also the uncertainty with him possibly being traded. Is there any way that his value would go up uh, via trade, or do you think it's only down or probably just neutral? Falcons. If he went to the Falcons. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, just yeah. Because, just because he would get all the targets. Like, he would get so many targets. Um, that is true. But, I mean, I mean like, the quarterback, I, I mean, you know, I mean, we don't know how much of a downgrade, really, Marcus Mariota to Trey Lance, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, there's – I can't see it going up because right. just as Shanahan, like at the end yep. of the day, Shanahan's the man in, in terms of he, he unlocked Debo. I feel like, um, and you know, that, it, that, that would be tough to replicate. I mean, there's, there's places he could go where you say, okay, he could probably, he would be the number one receiver in target hog right off the bat. Like Atlanta, he would be, I think Indianapolis <laughs> would probably love to have him. Um, but huh. you know, I, it's no team that like sticks out is like, it's a better situation than having Kyle Shanahan, you know, calling the plays. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. So don't, I'm not fading deep or anything, but yeah, it's probably trying to take him at the you know back end of that top 10 um, in receivers. Uh, what about Ayuk? He's going as 40 wide receiver 40. Um, you know, I think, and the Debo question kind of relates to Ayuk as well, because number one, Ayuk really took off when Debo started mm-hmm. You uh, play more snaps of running back. That's when IU yep. really became consistent week in, week out for the most part. Um, but at the same time, it, it also kind of worries me because like year two of IU was still very uneven. And we, he didn't take like that massive leap forward that you want to see out of receivers at that stage of their career. It was kind of a tale of two seasons and his success wasn't really of his own doing as much as it was of the team essentially losing its number one receiver to the backfield. So, I mean, I'll, you know, where are you on, on IU heading into to this year? Yeah, he certainly had the tail of two halves last year. The first half, we were just trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, but, yeah, I was going to say he definitely benefited once they uh, changed Debo's role a bit. Uh, he saw 20% targets per route run um, over that final eight, nine-game stretch when he was running around like over 95% of the time. Uh, yeah. So he was the main whiteout during that time. But like, that's the thing, right? You don't know what you're going to get with the Kyle Sh- Shanahanigans um, <laughs> where <laughs> we don't know what to expect. So I think that he is one of those guys that he, he probably is going to be the, the one pass catcher that's hurt the most by Trey Lance. I think um, not that I don't think Trey Lance has an arm that can throw downfield, but just, you know, they're going to limit the passing volume. Trey Lance is going to scramble more. A guy like Debo can certainly still thrive in that kind of system, but Ayuk, uh, I, I just think his his floor's uh, a bit too low to be taking that early at wide receiver forty, um, and you know that stretch weeks nine through eighteen last year he was wide receiver thirteen. Um, I, that's his ceiling. I don't know if we'll get that again this year, but um, yeah, wide receiver forty feels about right, just splitting the difference. But I, I'd rather take a guy with more uh, upside in that range. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think I wanted to see more consistency out of year two, and even twenty percent targets per route run is it's solid, but it's still more like 
it's not amazing to where you're like, oh my god, like the underlying. Yeah, it, it helped when he was playing ninety five percent of the routes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah. like he could he could be like a rich man's Van Jefferson this year for all we know. <laughs> you know like I think forty is a little too high. Yeah. As well. But the only thing is, there's some like un- underlying upside if Debo does get traded. Then oh yeah, like, you got to steal, but. I mean, you know, most people aren't drafting this time of year outside of best ball anyway. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I'd prefer to fade him and, and and try to find somebody with a little more upside to be like their true, the team's true number one yep. receiver on a, on a higher volume offense. Uh, Kittle, Kittle's going at tight end five. We kind of know what he is. It's just more about health. Um, but, but any thoughts on, on George Kittle? I know he's kind of, it's him and, and Kyle Pitts and, uh, you know, Waller. They're kind of a little bit, some, you know, in the, in the rankings right next to each other. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Kittle? Yeah. So he's right there. Like you said, tier two with Waller and Pitts. I have them like all tied for yeah. tight end three. So it's one of those situations where you just want to take the, the last one on the board in this range or wait for Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is sort of the uh, TJ Hawkinson uh, of last season where he's really the cutoff, I think before you get sort of in a streaming territory. So uh, still like Kittle. He's a guy that, he was pretty inconsistent at the end of last year once Debo did become more of a runner. So that is a concern. Um, it's a concern that the, the one game he played with Trey Lance, he had uh, one catch for 29 yards. Um, so he, he's another guy where I think Trey Lance doesn't help his you know draft stock. But again, at the end of the day, he's probably the best pure tight end in the league. So, you know, getting him at tight end five, it's hard to pass that up. But that, that ranking feels about right heading into the season. Yeah, and I still think you like there is a big drop off at tight end. I mean, even a guy like Dalton Schultz, like he's had like one year of you know production. Like we even h- trusting a guy like him. Yeah, because like you know how you we get you get into trouble when you start trying to draft those like tier after. Because I still consider even those kiddos in tier two of the tight ends. He's still like a stud. It's just like stud one B tier. You know? <laughs> yeah, whereas like Kelsey and Andrews are stud one A tier. And everyone, and maybe you know, maybe Pitts gets into there. Maybe you know, maybe Waller gets. Yeah, who were the guys in that range last year that I was knocking? It was like Noah Fant, Robert Tunyon. Yeah, it's like, like those guys. And then the year, <laughs> like year before that, it was like OJ Howard and Evan Ingram. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's it, it's a slippery slope. It's like I don't we get, we need a name for it. It's not it's, we already Ooh, got yeah. on, but like that tight end, it's, it's a slippery slope of, of guys. We there. need to workshop it. It's yeah. specifically. The guys after these elite guys, but it's sort of the the streaming range. We absolutely need to workshop a name for that because every year we encounter this. So yeah, like um, somebody's yeah. gonna somebody's gonna face play. Uh, Tyra Higby uh, a couple years ago was in that in that situation. Oh, like a lot of those. A lot of last these guys. year too. Yeah. Well, yeah, last year. I guess that was last year. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, um, the year before that too. But he was coming off that massive, you know, final six game stretch, and then Gerald Everett came back, and we didn't know what to do. And yeah, he he. Oh, that was three him. years ago already. That was two years ago. Um, let's Higbeast. see, three years. When was Higbeast? That was 2019. The end of 2019 was Higbeast. Yes, yes, um, yes. 2020, Gerald Everett came back. We didn't know what to do. Um, and he busted, right? And then yeah. last year, he busted, essentially. Yep. Yeah, so that's, that's I mean, that, that, all that to say, even though George Kittle might not be like that number one, two, or three guy that he was in years past in terms of the rankings – I still think there's a lot of value yes. in taking him, as you said, the, is the last guy before there's a massive teardrop. So Kiddo is a guy that I've had on quite a few of my um, teams. Oh. All right, let's talk about uh, – I mean, we don't have to talk about Niners running backs, right? Because, you know, <laughs> just <fame> uh, Just <laughs> your most favorite 
topic on earth. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, what do you think of Mitchell here? Because I where how are you projecting <laughs> Mitchell's volume? Because like you say this every year and you're, you're I don't think you've been wrong yet. It's like <laughs> you can't you gotta take uh, the Niners back with the least the least likely to, to blow up is the one that blows up. And the one that starts the year as a starter never ends the year as a starter. So I mean a Mitchell right now is going as the running back running back 24. He was very good last year. So like yeah. I I think he's un- like absolutely gonna start the year as a starter. Like, I don't think he's gonna lose the job in camp to like a, a Davis price or a sermon or anybody else on that roster. Like he was legitimately good, but we know Shanahan, how he feels is that like, you can't give running backs this high usage because they get hurt. And he, you know, he had to live through it. He's lived through it every, pretty much every year. He's been a coach of the Niners that yep. you know, the, the backs of, you know, guys are had trouble staying healthy. So, I mean, how do you kind of add all that up in, into a projection? Uh, you can't, right? I, <laughs> well, you can. That's yeah, the Niners, the Niners are the only <laughs> team where I, I just refuse to project because it, he's one of the toughest decisions at running back right now. I haven't projected running back 24, right in line with ADP. Yeah. But I, if he if he's the same workhorse back we saw last year and he stays healthy, he's going to absolutely crush his ADP. But like you said, the 49ers backfield is rarely predictable. And it has less to do with talent, right? It's It's all about the scheme. They run the outside zone. Kyle Shanahan is a genius. So whoever they put back there is going to tear it up. And, you know, 2021, it was Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he was a third or fourth running back drafted in, in fantasy. The year before that, Jeff Wilson, he was a third or fourth back draft in fantasy. Raheem Mozart in 2019, same thing. Matt Breida, 2018, same thing. So, yeah, like, what, what do we do with that? So it's, it's just uncertainty uh, is really the risk. And at running back 24, th- this is the frozen pond range. If you want to take that on, be my guest. But it is tough. So especially since the 49ers drafted uh, Ty Davis Price in the third round. But we've also learned that means nothing either. Yeah. Uh, wink, wink, Tony, Trey Sermon last year. So it's really tough. As always, I think the plan here is just go with the cheapest <laughs> running back later in the drafts and hope you strike gold, pun intended. Um, but it's tough because Elijah Mitchell, he, like you said, he, he was freaking good last year. There's no reason to think <laughs> that he's just going to lose his job, but just when it comes to his backfield, you, you can't take anything for granted. Unfortunately, I think the one thing about Mitchell and that I think is a little bit different from Raheem Mostert, um, mm-hmm. who, uh, he was another one that, you know, kind of jumped up to the top of that depth chart. Uh, the one thing that's different about Mitchell that, that I've noticed anyway, is that he was heavily used pretty much every time he was active. Whereas like most of it was just a top back, but like they were still working in like three, four guys behind him. Like sometimes they would have like Brita and uh, I forget who else was there. Was it Tevin Coleman? Like they would have a oh, bunch yeah. of guys yep. working in. Uh, Mostert just happened to kind of run away with the job and, and he kept making big plays. But with Mitchell, he's played 14 games as a, as a pro that he's been active. He's got 17 or more carries in 11 of those games. So it was like, mm-hmm. this was a guy that they were, really kind of going out of their way to use. And I know it, it also, there were also injuries and, but, but the bottom line is like, you know, they, there was always three backs active at least for the Niners. And with Mitchell, it just didn't seem like they wanted to use those other guys as much as they did with some of these other backs that have kind of taken a hold of the job. So I think that is, if you're looking for like a positive to maybe break the trend, um, mm-hmm. I think it's that like, you know, you can't, I mean, there's not many backs in the league that you could count on for, you know, to get 17 plus carries 80% of the time, you know, yeah, and, and he's, 
tough. I mean, he played through some pretty serious injuries last year, which is huge. And I think that might it's maybe I'm looking into it too much, but that might be why yeah. they go through running back so much this outside zone scheme. I mean, they're they're trusting the blockers so much that sometimes it, there's a gap there and they have an explosive run or they just take a shot. So these backs do take a beating uh, playing the scheme. It's good for fantasy, but maybe that does contribute to them getting dinged up a little bit more than other backs. But he played through injury last year. The only downside I can really think of outside of just our obscure Kyle Shanahan theories is what do you think about, you know, just him with Trey Lance under center and Debo uh, in his role last year, you know, he's very involved around the goal line. Like, is this going to negatively impact Mitchell's touchdown upside? I think it could uh, because, uh, you know, just kind of reading the beat reports and, uh, kind of sifting through the puff pieces at this time of year. Um, I, I did see, you know, <laughs> yeah, some that's... talk of, you know, one of the reasons, you know, maybe they drafted Price, you know, just Mitchell struggled in the, the team. It shouldn't say Mitchell himself. The team struggled in, in short yardage situations last year, um, running the football, which, uh, I mean, I think the one that comes to mind is the, 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 the what was it, the tackle going in motion on a quarterback sneak? Um, <laughs> like, so I mean, they're they're definitely were like grasping for straws at times in the yeah. short yardage situation. So I could see that as being somewhat of a, a negative thing. Um, and then you're in a situation where Mitchell's probably going to be like a two down back who's not getting all of the goal line work. That's like a Mir Abdullah territory from uh from the Lions, of, you know, a few years. Yeah, ago. but. At the same time, this dude is good. So, like, I, I think, I think it's, it's a high risk, high reward pick. I put it that way. Like, oh yeah, I think he's one of those guys where if I get like a running back early in the first round, and then I go with like I get like three stud receivers or like you know two stud receivers and one of the top five tight ends, and then and then maybe I'm drafting Mitchell as like my RB two in the sixth or seventh round is like a you know I could I could handle if he busts essentially because I'm probably gonna yep. draft another like Mitchell type like Damian Harris like in the next round um then i could see it but he's he's got to fit your draft plan and like i'd rather draft mitchell i would say this i'd rather draft mitchell at like rb 24 25 than draft like cam Akers at rb like 15 right just because i think there's similar floor of like near not zero but like either an injury or just like not having the full workload um similar floors so i think he's in a better spot to reap the you know the benefits he's still you know an ascending player he had a great rookie year and he's in a very run friendly offense so it's like there yeah. are things to like about elijah mitchell um so yeah that, that but that he's got to fit your draft plan so i think if you can if you're really just nailing like studs at your at, at like four other five other positions and then mitchell and then you have to rely on mitchell is like your week one rb2 um that, i mean that's gonna be the best time to rely on him anyway week one week two week three yeah. um, early in the year i don't hate it i don't hate it right um but yeah it just can't guarantee you guys out there listening that he's going to be the, the the number one running back and have that same role for all 17 weeks. I would say that's sort of when the um, frozen pond comes in and is right around that RB 24 range, because you do hit that territory where you have backs that don't have a defined role or the backup, like AJ Dillon or, you know, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, certainly they have upside, but there, there is risk uh, once you get past RB 24. So that's why I am a little bit more willing like you said, then, uh, you know, taking Cam Akers at RB18, uh, to take a flyer on a guy like Elijah Mitchell around that RB24 range, I think that's sort of the tail end uh, of the frozen pond where it's it's kind of worth the risk. Yeah, because like with it, like with some positions, like when, when it's a premium thing, it's like, all right, you got the last guy in a tier, like a, a George Kittle. Whereas like, I think Mitchell's like one of the, 
you could consider him a last guy in the tier, but it's almost like he's more one of the first guys in the tier after yeah. the tier. Of, <laughs> yeah, he's of a tweener. Twos. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, like, it's tough. Yeah, um, but but yeah, I don't mind him. But um, you know, Tyrion Davis Price, I feel like a lot of the you know people that are you know skew uh you know on a younger side or more into the college game or whatever just kind of into the best ball scene uh, are probably going to be higher on him and then you know there's going to be a lot of casual drafters that come back in august and are like who, who the hell is this guy <laughs> um, so i mean like what do you, what is your what are your thoughts on davis price why they drafted him and um realistically what shot does he have of beating this like rb 50-ish adp yeah, that's uh, it's tough that you can't get him that cheap because um, there's certainly a lot of risk taking him. He's he's he could be the next Elijah Mitchell or the next Trey Sermon. Um, or he'll probably end up being in between, <laughs> but um, he, he's going where he probably should go. Like I said, it, it is wise usually taking the cheapest for an air backup. And if we're looking at the past four seasons, it wouldn't be Davis Price. It would actually be like Jeff Wilson or Trey Sermon or somebody we're not actually considering or discussing today, but I think that just given the third round draft capital and sort of ignoring the, the Trey Sermon fiasco last year, you know, I, I think Davis price is a sneaky flyer in the RB 50 range. Cause again, this is just injury upside total, you know, just wild shot in the dark kind of flyer range. Um, so just given just the Kyle Shanahanigans we've been talking about, he does make sense there, but again, like it wouldn't surprise me if he never starts all season long and is a bust, but that's that's kind of what you get when you take a flyer and a four nineers back. Your favorite position group in all of football. <laughs> I mean, listen. I think you can't ignore Trey Sermon because he you Uh-oh. have to you have to acknowledge <laughs> Trey Sermon's terribleness in order to take a flyer on Davis Price. Because listen, True. like Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, all those guys, they were never in the doghouse. Like you know what I mean? Like they just happen to pop from deep on the depth chart because yeah. maybe somebody else got in the doghouse, somebody else got injured whatever not so it's like trey sermon in my opinion like he's done like he was it's like dante pettis right it's like what you it's really hard to get out that kyle shanahan doghouse like it's brandon Ayuk did it uh he was in yeah. the doghouse for what three four games maybe but he broke out of it but it is was, tough was that the doghouse or is he just like not that good <laughs> well, it's a mixture of both, right? Yeah, like, that, I mean, because that's, that's the difference. I think I, I don't know if he was ever in the doghouse in the same way. I mean, I know, I guess he was because Kyle Shanahan did call him out about something yeah. in practice roles. So I guess, I guess that's a fair one. But at running back, is like he could just hand it to Kyle. He could just use Kyle Uzcheck as the halfback. Like that's usually his like when when shit hits the fan. It's like you just see Kyle Uzcheck in the backfield on third downs, like it's or like, Debo, oh, yeah, or Debo. Yeah, or Debo. <laughs> It's like somebody that's not on the depth chart at, at, at halfback. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Davis Price. Yeah, listen, there's another guy that I that goes in his range that I'd rather get. And it's it's similar situation. He might have zero role, but Brian Robinson Jr. Um mm-hmm. on Washington, on the Washington Commanders. I, I think they I think Antonio Gibson really like wore down last year. And that's that's a guy they drafted to kind of lighten that load up a little bit. So um, you know, I, I like him as well. Um, but uh, I think Davis Price is definitely someone to monitor in the, pre- yeah. the preseason because I, not just monitoring him, but monitor Mitchell, too, because like if we get every report that Mitchell's getting like every single number one rep and like, yeah, maybe they just they want to cut it like, you know, a lot of times like these coaches, it's like we want to give give them a lesser workload. And that just means like 17 touches instead of 20 touches, which is like an immaterial difference in, in terms of drafting a fantasy running back too so yeah i'm trying to remember um heading into week one like 
I'm trying, I, I guess I should pull my week one projections, but Mitchell just kind of came out of nowhere, right? I, I don't so remember. everyone got hurt in week one. Mostert like broke his knee or something. In week oh, one. that's right. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then like two other guys got hurt. And then Mitchell was like, and then Mitchell, I think got hurt, <laughs> but he oh. came back in the game or something like that. So um, outside zone scheme. Yeah, it, it's Blame crazy. On that. Uh, all right. So yeah, uh, overvalued, undervalued. I think for me, Ayuk might be a little bit overvalued at this point. Um, and I think undervalued could be Davis price, but he could even be Mitchell. So, and, and obviously Lance, if he's going to be the starter. Yeah, I would say Ayuk, but just give it, you mentioned, you made a great point. If Debo gets traded away, Ayuk's value will go up. So he's probably fairly priced given that. Um, I'm just going to go with my traditional 49ers running back um, <laughs> stamp of sleeper and bust here. I'll say the sleeper is Ty Davis price just because, uh, he's buried on depth chart a bit and the bus would be Elijah Mitchell. Uh, again, I love the talent, but it's just so hard to trust this backfield ever heading into the season. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to go with uh, Davis price and Mitchell here. I was going to Cardinals, Kyra Murray going as top five quarterback, but uh, in contract negotiations, so he's skipping the uh, OTAs, his number one receiver is suspended, but he's got his, fellow from his, his buddy from college uh marquise oh. brown on the team so i mean how are you kind of approaching kyler at, at this point in time yeah it's it's tough there there is some concern over a potential holdout i guess but at, right now i'm just assuming he's gonna be playing for arizona in week one so i think that you know qb5 qb6 sounds about right um uh, he is gonna you know his ceiling's a bit capped especially early in the season uh, without Hopkins, but he should be able to survive. You know, Marquise Brown is no slouch. I thought it was good how they, they brought in Zach Ertz. They, they really haven't had an effective tight end uh, for quite some time. So, you know, I think he has enough weapons to survive and certainly has the rushing ability. So I think in that range, um, you know, he's at the end of that tier where I think all these quarterbacks have QB1 overall upside. Uh, so I think that the Hopkins news might, you know, provide some value given, you know, he falls a QB6 or 7 year draft. So I, I do like where he's going right now. Yeah, I mean, it's Kyra Murray. He's oh, like, regardless of what's kind of been the issue, he's always performed. He's always going to give you QB1 numbers and probably high end QB1 numbers, yeah. um, you know, with or without Hopkins. I think, you know, obviously, I think adding Brown helps because Rondell Moore, AJ Green, you know, you lose Kirk. So it's hard to kind of rely on those guys. I think Ertz is, Ertz is still fine, honestly. He looked, yeah. and I, I was kind of, I suspected that heading into last year, even though he was still on the Eagles. I was like, I don't think he's washed. I think Carson Wentz is <laughs> the one that was <laughs> You're right about that. Um, but yeah. let's talk about, before we get into the guys that will be there for the whole year, like um, just, I'm curious as to, you know, with your projections and bumping Hopkins for the six games, um, where does he end up uh, in your ranks? Oh, well, yeah, so, I have him projected around like wide receiver 60. Um, you know, I'm taking off six games. Yeah. Uh, but I always say that that's, that's always misleading because especially if you're in a redraft league, the easiest time to replace a player is, you know, the first few weeks of the season, there's no bye weeks, not many injuries. Um, so his value is going to be much, much higher. Um, I would value him maybe around wide receiver 40. It's tough to say, but his ADP seems to be, yeah. Um, way too high, right? Like I I've been seeing, um, his ADP sort of in the, you know, up to wide receiver 20. I don't think I've seen him go that high in a draft, but he's at 37, which I think yeah. is fair. Cause I think, cause that's, that's like, that's the number one wide receiver four. And like, if you have a 12 team league, that would be, you know, 37 would be the first yeah. wide receiver four, which I think is fair. I think you don't want to start. You don't want to draft him as a starter. Obviously he's going to miss. <laughs> right. But if you want to take that chance, 
um, at, at getting like a potential, you know, wide receiver one for the last 10 games. Yep. And, and he, and he's just now you're, you know, everyone else, like your wide receiver five is your wide receiver four for six weeks. Your wide receiver six is your wide receiver five for six weeks. I can get behind it. I still think 30, like I, I like, I'm like you, I would prefer to get him more like in the mid, mid to, you know, mid range wide receiver four. like maybe if he drops to like wide receiver 40, 42, 43, it's probably yeah, he where might. I feel more comfortable, but I generally actually just don't like taking guys like that. Like, you know, that are going to miss such a substantial chunk of yeah. time because I think it's, you know, all the games count the same. It's like, you don't want to throw away your, you don't want to kind of mortgage your first six weeks of your season and mortgage some depth that maybe, you know, you, you could have drafted another running back or a wide receiver that could start in your flex for six weeks and maybe make the difference between a win and a loss or two early on in the year where it's still, you know, those games are important too. So I, I get it. It's just not, he's another guy that's not really in my draft plan, especially because like, you know, he's, he's, he's going, you know, going toward age 30, probably he's yeah. already, and, you know, the fact that he's, you know, getting caught with the illegal substances, it's like, mm-hmm. is he at high, is he at higher risk for injury now? Mm. Does he feel like his skills were, were kind of falling off? Because he did miss his most games that he's ever missed uh, as a pro last year at age 29. He missed seven games. You know, that's something that we really hadn't seen out of him before. And I, I just wonder if he's getting to that point where his body is just breaking down a little bit. Like, he's, I think he's still a great receiver, probably maybe, you know, perhaps even elite when he's on the field, but. It's like the signs are there. The smoke is there. And the way the smoke is in fire. So, yeah. And I, I was going to say so it depends on context. If you're in a best ball league where, you know, there's the giant prizes at the end based on like weeks 14 through 17 or something, then sure, you want to shoot for upside. You know, Hopkins will be healthy and playing by then, hopefully. But even when he is playing, like, do you even think he has wide receiver one potential anymore? You're already getting at that. But like, I don't think he does. He, he is on the wrong side of 30. Um, there's way more mouse to feed now that they brought in Zach Ertz, Rondell Moore. He doesn't play as much, but he is sort of a target hog. AJ Green is just running routes out there. And then Marquise Brown. So it's it's tough. Like, it's tough to make the case that even when Hopkins is healthy, that he even offers that wide receiver one upside. So that's that's why I'm with you where I'm, I'm kind of shying away with his current ADP. Uh, it probably needs to be sort of, you know, in the mid forties to, to consider. Him. Yeah. Because I mean, look, he, he, last year he averaged a, you know, outside of that one year in Houston, it was his second career low in, in yards per game at 57.2. I know injuries kind of played somewhat of a factor in that, but I, like I said, the writing's on the wall, you know, yep. entering the age 30 season, starting <laughs> dabbling in PEDs with Will Fuller. <laughs> like I'm just yeah, not good. <laughs> freaking me out, man. He's freaking me out. And then his quarterback's like kind of not t- totally happy with the team. Like, yeah. <laughs> this could end in like disaster. You know, it was like, it was yep. like when people were, were drafting Michael Thomas last year, it's like, this, no, this yep. might not work out. This might not end well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm off Hopkins. I think, um, I get it. If you, if you're trying to take that, just don't draft him as, you know, top three, but I, I'm off him. Um, but let's talk about Marquise Brown. Now he, he's shot up, you know, I, I'm seeing him wide receiver 18, um, in ADP. Um, you know, that's, that's aggressive. Uh, what do you think of, of Brown obviously does have that, that prior chemistry with Kyler. Yeah, no, I think wide receiver 18 is very aggressive. That's kind of where I'm ranking him week one with uh Hopkins out so like okay that's that's probably his ceiling but then once Hopkins comes back he's probably going to be in that you know wide receiver 25 to 30 range so I just think that people are kind of buying into his first handful of games and then they're going to be stuck holding the bag uh later in the season so I I don't get it I'm off him at that price which is unfortunate because he he does have upside uh last year he was 
like super consistent. He had 13 games of four more catches yeah. uh, in a very run heavy offense. So, so I do like, you know, him going to Arizona, but there's just too many uh, mouths to feed there. And then, yeah, especially once Hopkins comes back, it's going to be hard for him to be that consistent. So the current ADP is way too aggressive for me. That's, that's basically his, his first handful of games, honestly. And, you know, we've kind of seen this, you know, a lot of times, te- you know, receivers changing teams, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work out right away. Um, it can, but it doesn't always. So, you know, I mean, I think that chemistry helps, but yeah. adding the De- DeAndre Hopkins, even like a, as a, you know, not full peak DeAndre Hopkins version of himself, it, he still projects as the number one player on the team in terms of targets per route run. Um, so that would significantly cut into a guy like Brown, who many yeah. we were probably expecting him to be that number one guy um, uh, otherwise. So, yeah. I, and, and like it's, you know, you know, what is the role going to be? Because like he's never we think of him as like this. He's a speed guy, but he's never averaged more than 13.3 yards a catch. Last year it was down to 11.1. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You know, what, what will his role be? Will they, will they use him more downfield here? I, I think they should. Um, but, but who knows? Yeah, that's good. I, everybody remembers him from his first game ever where he scored the uh, yeah. three 80-yard touchdowns. Everyone remembers that. But like you said, his his yards per catch were definitely down last year, which was a slight concern. But uh, like I said, he made up for it in volume. Uh, he just consistently catching, you know, four to seven balls. So that that helps sort of offset uh, his his lack of downfield presence. It's crazy, though, because it's like, yeah, you mentioned that game. It, he went four for 147, two <laughs> touchdowns in his first game ever. Uh, that's an average of 37 yards per catch. Pretty good. Uh, that year, he still only averaged 12.7 yards per catch, even with that <laughs> big game. Like, so it's, uh, you know, I, I think I think he can be used downfield, but, I mean, he's not going to beat press coverage, which something that even like, Christian Kirk was beating press coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I, you know, I – I don't know. I don't know. And, and Kirk wasn't like amazing at it, but I, I think he's probably better than Brown. Um, so, I, you know, I, ah, it's tough, uh, but I, I do think 18 is a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. You, you described um, DeAndre Hopkins is not full peak DeAndre Hopkins. I was wondering how you're going to describe uh, the current version of AJ Green. AJ Green is like, <laughs> he's like, uh, you have like a whole ocean and then you have like a puddle like a little droplet of like one raindrop yeah. it's like that's that's he's wow. like one percent he's like you know when you when you're when you're playing like street fighter and you're, you're, you're yeah your, your health bar just goes all the way down like that's that's aj Green. oh my god that's perfect yeah that yeah. that's that's accurate i would he's, say that's uh, accurate. i mean he's going his wide receiver 83 so it's like no one's I think everyone's kind of on the same page. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, with AJ, I don't, uh, I don't think we have to talk too much about him. I'm, I'm curious though, what you think mm-hmm. of Rondale Moore. He's the one that, you know, another one that's kind of hard for me because I like the talent. This is year two. Um, I like the targets per route run, but I was still a little disappointed that like, you know, even when Hopkins was kind of hurt last year, I don't know, Moore just didn't really take off the way I thought he should. And like, he just, he didn't seem to really have like a defined role by the end of the year, it was just like, sometimes he would go deep. Sometimes he would go underneath. It just, there was no real continuity to his gig. He would have like one good game and three bad ones. Like, I, is it, you know, do you think he just takes that year too leap now, especially because he's going to have a chance to be every down player, maybe at least for six weeks. Yeah, he could. I mean, it, it's tough, right? Because he's, he's one of the most exciting <laughs> players in football. Once he gets the ball in his hand, I mean, he's really tough to tackle. Uh, but unfortunately, just I don't see a path to playing time uh, or enough playing time to be fancy relevant week in, week out, especially when, you know, Hopkins returns. 
targets per route run rate was 24%, which is really yeah, good. That's good. Catch rate 84%, but he's, you know, his A dot was like what 1.2. Um, so he's gonna see, you know, handful of targets a game, but it's just it's just really hard to translate that into consistent fantasy value. There, there was only two games uh, where he played uh, like over 70% routes run and he kind of flopped in both. So I don't even know if playing time would help necessarily. He's just, he's tricky. I would say he's, he's better for Kyler Murray than, you know, Rondell Moore is for himself as sort of a fantasy asset, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, he's going to have to make a significant year two leap. I, I don't see it happening, but sir, he, he probably needs one or two guys to miss significant time. Uh, to really be a wide receiver three, but uh, certainly, you know, exciting guy to watch. It's just hard to really project him above this, you know, wide receiver 50 range. So here's the thing with Moore. He played uh, over two, th- over uh, three quarters of his snaps in the slot. And now they, they drafted Trey McBride, the tight end in the second round. Yeah. So they could be going and, and they've always kind of dabbled with a little more two tight end than I think we ever thought with Cliff. We thought they were going to be like four out four wides all the time. Um, and they and they've done a lot more two tight end, and that's why I think they got McBride, they got Ertz now, and so I just worry, like you said, about playing time because last year he never really was that like 90 percent routes run guy. Even when guys were going down, it was Antoine Wesley that was getting <laughs> yeah. the snaps. Yep. You know, it was a- AJ Green continuously was like uh, you know, playing almost in every down role for much of the uh-huh. year. Now this year, it's like those both of those guys are still on a roster, right? So it's like. If, if Moore is only a slot guy and now you have two tight ends that may take some of those interior routes. And then, you know, once Hopkins comes back, Moore's not even a top three guy. Probably he's probably, you know, he might be the fourth receiver still, you know, depending on how they, you know, what they're going to do with Brown and, and AJ green, you know, Brown is going to be, and Hopkins are going to be top two. It's just as, is, you know, are they going to just use more in the slot? Is that number three and AJ green's relegated to number four or, you know, are they going to use AJ Green on the outside and bump like Marquise Brown inside or Hopkins? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's like there's a lot of question marks. In 56, I still think there are some better options. Yeah. Then, because I, I do like the year two leap and just kind of, if you just blindly bet on year two leaps of wide receivers, you generally are going to do pretty well. So I don't mind it, but I just think 56, there's guys that I have more of a defined role. Like, like even like a Tim Patrick, who, you know, we've talked about, like, yeah, he's yeah. probably going to play like 80, 90%, if not more of the route uh, of the snaps with a great quarterback in Russell Wilson. So yeah. It's- I think the, uh, the, there is a path, I think for more to have a year two leap where I'd be interested in is if uh, Kingsbury kind of creates a Debo kind of role where he's getting, you know, five carries a game, you, they lost Chase Edmonds. So there is sort of that upside um we'll talk about the running backs soon but i just think if, if he were getting you know four to six carries a game and kind of using him in a debo chase Edmonds role that's where the fancy value would come into play but that would rely on cliff kingsbury come up with that i'm, I'm scared that that rondell moore's i hope he doesn't but i'm scared he's gonna he's gonna be like a year two lavisca chanel <laughs> like, oh, don't say that. Yeah. You know what I mean, like where it's like, it's like uh, kind of pencil him in as like a, a starter, <laughs> but he just is terrible. And well, he's talented, right? Yeah, he just, is, they, they haven't been able to scheme it up for him. Uh, but yeah, that's the perfect description. If more flops again this year, because I love the talent, but yeah, it's, it's about finding a role for him. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he can, maybe he can be like a Jamal Agnew type. <laughs> just a four to six catch a game beast. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> you know, return some kicks, do some, things. yeah. All right, Zach Ertz mentioned him. Tight end ten, I love him. I, you know, give yeah. give me some Zach Ertz. Uh, I because you know when you're looking at these tight ends, like we mentioned Schultz, we mentioned uh, you know they're they're like Dawson Knox is in that range. Like they're just there's there's a, not a whole great bunch of a track record of track records outside of those elite 
uh, top five tight end. So like Ertz actually has that elite track record where we've seen him perform at, you know, uh, a stud tight end level. So I don't mind, you know, taking a, uh, you know, if I'm waiting on tight end, which I don't like to do too much, but I'm, I'm okay with Zach Ertz here. He averaged uh, seven and a half targets, close to five catches a game in games with, uh, with the Cardinals. So I, I think he's still going to be one of the more productive tight ends in the league. Yeah, you already mentioned it where the, the change of scenery uh, was definitely a huge boost uh, to Hertz. He's not washed like some of us thought. Um, and he was ranked tight end four uh, mm-hmm. from weeks seven through 18. Um, so, yeah, heading into the season, tight end 10, like I haven't projected tight end eight, and he's going to have even more value entering the season. Like week one rankings, he's going to be the top of that like frozen pond tier. We, we need to come up with the name with it, but he'll be the top option of that tier. Uh, I, I only worry about once Hopkins comes back and maybe, you know, McBride's a rookie tight end. He's obviously not going to hit the ground running, but maybe later in the season, like you said, they might run more two tight end sets. McBride might hit. So that would be the only concern, but certainly to begin the season, you know, Ertz is probably worth it uh, for the, the tight end 10 range uh, ADP. Um, and they sign him for what? Three, three yeah. years. So he's, he's there. <laughs> so they, they believe in him. They're going to keep using him um, like they did last year. So yeah, he's, he's pretty consistent for a tight end that range. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for taking him in this, this spot. Um, all right. Uh, James Connor, uh, RB 15. I, I actually like Connor. Uh, the only concern really is just the, the health. I mean, as far as the opportunities that he's going to, we know opportunity is king for running backs. He's going to get all he could handle. And in the in the games without Chase Edmonds last year, who's obviously in Miami now, Connor averaged 16.6 rushing attempts and five catches. So 21.6 touches per game, uh, about just over 95 scrimmage yards per game. And he averaged 1.4 touchdowns per game. So like kind of feels like Leonard Fournette a little bit, you know, where oh, it's yeah. like good offense, guy who came on, you know, when he, when he was called upon as the lead back the year before uh, and now has like, is going to get an even bigger chance to be that guy this year. So I just, I do worry about him breaking down, but I mean, realistically, yeah, you have to worry about that with every running back. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I, would, I, would, I would take Connor above RB 15 uh, if I, if I needed to. Yeah. I, I haven't thought of it that way, but I, I love the Leo Fournette uh, comp and you know, we were saying heading into last year, like James Conner seems like a steal at current ADP. Yeah. And I thought, you know, he was, kind of wash but he he looked really good last year and um when Edmonds went down he ranked RB2 overall only behind Jonathan Taylor I believe during that five game stretch uh weeks nine through 14 I think it was so yeah so with Edmonds gone you know he could be more involved in the past game sort of like you know Fournette where he's just the main back um you know that the backups are going to be a little bit better this year I do like the rookie Keontae Ingram and they just brought in Daryl Williams but at the end of the day uh, I still think Connor's going to be the workhorse back uh, and he's not going to match his 15 rushing touchdowns last year, but he still is going to be the main goal line back. So I'm, I'm projecting him for nine. So quite a bit of regression there, but still he in this range, you could do a lot worse and his job security is safe. Some of these other backs, they might not have that. So yeah, uh, other than injury concern, which you said, every running back has that uh, I, I think he's, he's pretty good in this range. Yeah, I mean, he was right in line with his career in yards after contact last year. He had his best graded PFF season of his career last year. So, yeah, he looked great. Like, just, you know, objectively speaking, yeah. watching yeah. the dude, I mean, he was, like, scary good. Um, yep. Anytime he touched the ball, you felt like he was just going to, like, 
stiff arm somebody and throw somebody <laughs> just break a tackle and, and yeah. Go. yeah uh all right um yeah i don't yeah like you said i don't think the like it's hard right now you know Keontae ingram they just signed our boy daryl williams too yeah that's what i said like that's yeah so that that kills the Keontae ingram yeah, so it's, uh hype train but it's a lot better than it was in years past you know like eno benjamin jonathan ward they're no competition for even like Keontae ingram but I mean, are, are you interested in either Williams or Ingram right now or kind of just wait to see how that plays out? Yeah, I'm interested in the sense that like when I draft a guy like Connor, if I can get like a handcuff for free in like the last round of the draft, mm-hmm. I, I like those kind of backs. Like when you can get the stud running back and the handcuff, but we just have to figure out who the handcuff is. And if there's no handcuff that emerges, which is very possible, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, we just you can't touch either of them. But if like, let's say Ingram just has a great camp and they actually just cut Williams again or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, I, I'd be very interested just cause I, it's, you know, it's, it's free. It's just like Edmonds, you know, if you, we were drafting him basically for free and he, he turned out to be valuable at different yep. points. I, you know, so I, same, same kind of um, approach, but let's go to, uh, to finish up with Seattle. Um, we could go a little quicker here. Uh, <laughs> Pretty I, I, simple. I, we, you know, so interestingly <laughs> enough, what I'm hearing out of camp is that Geno Smith has a leg up on Drew Locke. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. That, no, I mean, he's taking yeah. the first two reps. I mean, granted, it's, you know, still voluntary mini camps. But, um, you know, the beat writers that I've read anyway seem to think that he has the, the advantage because he has the, um, you know, knowledge of the scheme. And he's just less. I mean, this sounds crazy to say, but he's a little less turnover prone <laughs> than Drew Locke. Um, which is, you know, one of the, they didn't like Russell Wilson who would kind of, you know, hold on to the ball and, and wait for the deep shot. And Locke plays a little like that too. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, but, um, you know, any thoughts on this quarterback battle and I guess how it, how it affects DK and Tyra Lockett. Yeah, no, it's, it's bad. You know, they still might sign a Baker Mayfield or Jimmy G, but yeah, assuming it's Locke or Geno Smith, it's rough. Maybe, maybe we should be rooting for Geno Smith because, um, Lockett had you know, one really big game with him and Metcalf still uh, performed pretty well uh, with Smith under center for three games last year. So at least there is some chemistry there. Uh, but at the end of the day, this it's a massive drop off going from Russell Wilson <laughs> to either Drew Locke or Geno Smith. So I, I'm basically off most Seahawks. There, there might be some value uh, in, in some of these position groups, but just if it's Locke and Smith hanging the year, I, I'm pretty much all off this team. So here's the thing. And this is interesting to me. Um, DK Metcalf's going as the wide receiver 19 uh, and underdog. Lockett is going to 42. Now, last season, in half PPR points per game, DK Metcalf was number was wide receiver 24. Um, and that was with 14 games of Russ. Now, I know Russ wasn't like Russ for all 14 games, but like he still had 14 games with Russ and he was he was going, he finished lower than he's getting drafted right now, where his quarterback might be. Drew Locke or Geno Smith, and then Lockett, he was wide receiver 18. So he he was six spots ahead of Metcalf, yet he's going 23 spots behind him. So it's like, if I'm looking at this, as much as I like Metcalf, and I know Lockett had the chemistry with Wilson and that, you know, but like, mm-hmm. to me, there's too much of a chasm here. They're both talented guys. And Metcalf is like, he was a guy that was harder to like get the ball to. Um, and, you know, like just like he would go through those stretches where he just like, would have games where he just wouldn't catch the ball and he would get upset. And like, I don't know. I, I think there's like more of a bust potential for Metcalf than Lockett just given ADP. Oh yeah. I agree hundred um, percent. I'm actually, I'm projecting Metcalf around wide receiver 25 um, mm-hmm. right now. So I'm definitely off him. Obviously he's one of the top 10 wide receivers in terms of just raw talent. 
but we have to factor in this downgrade uh, yeah. with Russ Wilson leaving. So yeah, I think at ADP, Tyler Lockett is the flyer to take. We don't really know how this is going to shake out, but he's certainly talented enough to be, he'd be like your wide receiver four at his current ADP. So I can get behind that. It is worth pointing out in the three game stretch for Geno Smith as quarterback, uh, Metcalf was the wide receiver eight, uh, mainly due to the three touchdown catches. Uh, and Tyler Lockett was wide receiver 27. Again, small sample size, but Still better than 42. Yeah, he's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he had one massive game, but that's kind of Tyler Lockett for you, right? Uh, but yeah, I think given the ADPs, I think if you were forcing me to take a Seahawks wide receiver, it would absolutely be Tyler Lockett. Any interest? I mean, Noah Fant uh, coming over from Denver. He's been kind of at that fringe startable tight end but really you know just because he's finishing at tight end 12 doesn't mean he you were starting him every week um probably starting him half the time if not that so now he's going at tight end 21 uh any interest here outside of two tight end leagues or he yeah he would be a bet on talent i think uh i'm tight end 18 uh it's gonna be hard to trust anybody really outside of um you know metcalf and lockett and, and what should be a low pass volume offense. I mean, if it's either Geno Smith or Drew Locke, we can't really project this offense for more than, you know, 220, 230 yards. Uh, So he's going to be pretty inconsistent. But again, in this tight end range, that's kind of what you're getting anyway. Um, And he might benefit if Drew Locke wins the week one starter job because they they do have chemistry together. Um, So he would be sort of a bet on talent in that range, but I certainly can't project them to be, you know, a fringe tight end one in this offense. So tight end 21 is a buy for me. What's your, th- what's your kind of outlook on the running back situation? You got Ken Walker, the third, uh, he's going ahead of Rashad Penny now in most drafts, um, kind of in that RB 30 range, Penny's in the mid thirties as well. You know, from what I'm hearing, they drafted Walker cause they were concerned about Carson. Now I don't know what that means. The, in terms of Penny, I mean, he, I know he has a hamstring issue already, but they did kind of talk him up for the first time ever. <laughs> oh, he's going to start. So I don't know. What, what is your, what's your view on just how the carries are going to split out? Assuming Carson, you know, they, there's like no, there's been no update on him. He's got the neck injury. I get the sense that because you don't draft a running back in a second. I mean, you maybe you do because you're Seattle and you took Penny in the first round, but like <laughs> you don't, they love yeah. Chris Carson. So I don't think they'd waste a second round pick on, not waste, but I don't think they'd use a second round pick on Walker if they thought Carson had like a good shot of, of playing much this year. So um, is that how you're kind of looking at it? Yeah, no, I, when it comes to Walker, I love the talent uh, and I love Rashad Penny's talent as well. I mean, he was a league winner at the end of last year, but I just hate the situation for both backs, especially if Chris Carson is healthy uh, come week one. But uh, assuming he's out, this should be sort of a 50-50 split between Walker and Penny. But the, the reason why I don't like Walker at his ADP is just based on the offense heading this season. It's, you know, they're going to be, you know, a five to six win team if they're lucky. And, you know, they're going to be trailing a lot. And what is Kenneth Walker not good at? Being a pass catching back. He's, he's not a really good block blocking back. He's going to struggle to get, you know, third down work. So, and, and you know, he's not going to get, you know, easy goal line touchdowns because the offense is providing it. So he's going to have to do a lot of it himself with his running ability. And I, that just does, doesn't translate into, you know, an RB2 for me, especially in a murky situation. So neither Walker or Penny are going to be, capable receiving backs in offense that kind of needs that. So I am worried that like guys like Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, those kind of guys might be factored in more than we think. I, I'm kind of off both Walker and Penny just based on the projected game scripts. Uh, Seattle's going to have this year. Yeah. The issue with Walker you mentioned is like just the whole pass protection and 
you know, that's going to probably keep him off the field. Penny actually got a lot better in pass protection last year. Um, and he played a career high 120 pass blocking snaps and had a, a pretty good grade in terms of PFF at least. Um, so I, I think maybe they'll be a little more comfortable with him, but the problem with Penny is like, he's still not a pass catching back. Like he, yeah. he, caught, he caught six balls last year. Like you know, all that, right. all that, you know, all that down the stretch, that all that blowing up was all on the ground. Like it was all on the ground. Um, in those in the last four games of the year, he, he had two games where he didn't even get a target. So yeah, it's it's more of like a standard week thing with, with these guys. It's like yeah, they both could be overvalued. And the fact that there's so much uncertainty and that they'll probably be splitting carries either way. I mean, I'd I'd still take I'd rather go Penny just because he's going lower at this point. Um, but like, I don't like the fact that he's already got a hamstring issue. I mean, Jesus, not good. Yeah. Well, right. well at least it's me. He has time to recover, but this, this does remind me a bit of the uh, Jaguar situation last year with ETN and yeah. James Robinson where, yeah, if one of them goes down, you know, I'll be in on, you know, the, the surviving one, but like right now it's just hard to take either back when they're both healthy in the top 30. And this is just considering that Carson's going to miss time. He could be ready by week one. And then I'm completely off. Uh, both these guys. Yeah. And, that, and this kind of speaks to what we were talking about, where it's like, there's, there's like pretty much a few spots in the draft where you want to draft running back. And like outside of that, it's just like mine. It's just like minefields everywhere. Cause it's like, yeah, you're not getting two in those first two, maybe th- early third round. It's like, then you're, then you're having to either go frozen pond. And then even if you kind of wait and avoid the frozen pond, now you're still, it's like, Oh, do I take a Kenneth Walker or Sean Penny? It's like, there's only like one or two guys I like in each of those tiers. Like I love like James cook and even him, you know, admittedly doesn't have like, we don't know mm-hmm. exactly what's going to happen with him. Um, so it's like, yeah. I, like I think that the, the best case scenario is like you could get two stud running backs and they just have to stay healthy. If they don't, I mean, you're, you're probably not going to win your league anyway you know, it's really tough to just kind of recommend, like have confidence in drafting running backs in a lot of these tiers, um, yeah. you know, further down in a draft. So um, I agree, but yeah, Penny, I guess would be the guy for me if, if I had to take one, what, what do you think in terms of sleepers and busts? I mean, I, 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 don't, I hate to call Metcalf like a potential bust, but I think he is going a little too <laughs> yeah. high. I mean, a locket, it's kind of the opposite. He's just, I think he's going a little too low. Yeah. I would say my sleeper, is definitely Tyler Lockett, just given his current ADP. And my bust would unfortunately have to be um, Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny, just kind of both backs um, sort of cannibalize each other going into this season. Uh, Just can't project this offense for, you know, many touchdowns and neither back you can really project for much receiving work. So I just don't see a path uh, to hitting their ADP unless one of them goes down. All right, that is going to do it for our uh, Fantasy Flex NFC West edition. Uh, we'll keep it going for the next six weeks with the remaining six divisions. So be sure to, to, to stay tuned in and subscribe to the channel. If you like the pod, give us a five star on Apple or Spotify. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon, R-A-Y-B-O-N. You can also find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app where you can follow our bets or track yours. Until next time. Get this money.